Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of A Mr. DJ. I apologize for skipping last weekend. Uh, I was in the mountains. I hope you guys had a very nice 4th of July. Today's guest is someone that I've known for a long time but never really conversed with, so it was nice to learn more about him. Uh, besides being a DJ, the reason why I had him on was because uh, many of my guests kept mentioning him as someone who helped them while they were starting off, and I just love his willingness to help. He also educated me on what Serato is and how it works, so I'm basically a pro now. <laughs> So please enjoy my interview with JP. Hi JP, welcome to a Mr. DJ. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Not bad. Thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to do my podcast. I'm very excited to learn more about you as an artist and also as a person as well. Um, so I'm actually not sure if you listen to any of the episodes, but you've actually been mentioned a few times um, from some of my guests and mainly pointing out, you know, that you've helped them in either getting gigs or just learning how to work the equipment. And I love that so much because I just keep seeing, you know, how this industry um, works together to kind of elevate each other. And it's just like nice to hear. So I wanted to get to learn, you know, more about um, how you started. And, um, you know, if you had a similar experience, did you have someone showing you the ropes when you first started DJing? Uh, actually, no. No? No. When I first started DJing, it was a couple of us. Uh, we had some crappy turntables. Some, some like Newmark belt ribbon turntables and uh we're just messing around with guns and then we started to get a little more serious uh back then there was no serato or nothing so we're just playing around with records yeah and uh we weren't really interested in like spinning music we were more interested in turntablism and that kind of stuff right and, uh, when i think around the time when uh, i don't know since we were messing with it so much people started asking us to do their parties and then we started buying records and doing parties. Yeah. So, um, you know, for those of us, I mean, myself included, um, that don't really know very much about um, term tableism, um, can you kind of go into that? Is that, I mean, when I think of that, I think of maybe like scratching. Is is that correct? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Really interesting. Uh, ah, wow. There wasn't YouTube or anything in back in those days either. We used to watch um, uh, the DMC World Championships on, on VHS tapes and, <laughs> yeah. and rewind them and, you know, keep watching them and then try to mimic what, you know, what these crazy DJs were doing. Uh, back then, famous, the, the Invisible Scratch Pickles were real famous back then. We were into them. Uh, Bee Junkies, we were really into them. And uh, quite other ones, DJ Craze, just people that were just in those tournaments right um and so you know you, you said that you had some turntables that are um newmark is that like the dj newmark brand because i keep hearing that and i always forget to ask no dj newmark is a D he is a real like a regular dj uh -huh. but i don't believe he has anything to do with the brand he's from a group called jurassic five uh-huh so they have two djs well i don't know what they're doing now but it was 
Okay, so the turntables have nothing. There's like no relation to it. No, Newmark is also a brand that makes equipment. Um, they might make better uh, tables now. I'm getting into them, but ever since I got the uh, Technics MK 1200s, like you don't really go anywhere else after that. Right, right. Um, and I guess when you guys were watching this these videos, um, who who was in your group that was you know I guess kind of learning together as um, as a group since you guys didn't really have anyone to look up to, or I um, guess look for like advice on how to DJ. Well, we're all doing it together. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, there's a couple of us. Me and my friend Tommy, done by uh, DJ Snail, okay. and uh, him and I were interested. In, you know, some other some other friends were kind of interested, not as interested as Tommy and I. Then we ran into another guy. His name is uh, Chris Cut, and he, him, and his brother, and maybe some other friends. They were really good at cutting. They were really good at uh, scratching, and then we started like getting, uh, hanging out and scratching with them. And then they, obviously your skills get a little better. You just gotta kind of keep at it and meet new people. You know, that's pretty much what your podcast is about. The turntable is There's a DJ, uh, there's a DJ scene, but there's also like a small little turntable is scene that there's really not a lot of us. Right. But uh, we're, we still like it. We're still into that. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is that I feel like that is just another, um, I guess I would say a level up because, you know, I keep hearing again from all my DJ friends that uh, scratching is actually very difficult to learn. So, you know, on top of DJing, you're kind of adding another level of difficulty to the craft. Um, would you say that that's pretty like would you say that's accurate that it's you know an, another like level of difficulty that's added to it yeah well um when people started asking us to be artists well money started getting involved so <laughs> we wanted to buy more equipment so we wanted to do parties so we started learning how to mix and blend music and stuff too but this was all um, all on vinyl back in those days too yeah but, uh, another that was another thing we had to learn how to do and yeah. So you um, started, you learned with vinyl and then I guess, you know, got into like the Serato and all of that, I'm guessing, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, how long have you been DJing? Uh, probably around maybe like 18 or 19 years. Oh, wow. So a very long time. Um, yeah. How old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? No, John, I'm 35. Okay. Um, I started when I was in high school, obviously, and when, um, yeah, we were just doing little backyard parties and parties and also doing, like, school dances and stuff like that. Okay, so you guys would DJ school dances, too? Yeah. That's awesome. Like, at school or, like, the outside ones, like, outside parties? No, we do it for the school and the gym. Wow. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so cool. And you went to Los Amigos, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe, I mean, well, you are a couple years younger and I only went there my very last, I want to say last semester. I don't think I even went a whole year, but um, I don't even think I remember like DJs ever playing, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it was such a long time ago. So I'm sure that maybe there were, and I just don't remember, but that's awesome that they would get you guys to play for the school. <laughs> yeah. I was dating the chicken industry, so she was yeah. 
Um, and what would you say inspired you to be a DJ? I mean, I know you said you guys would watch videos, but what kind of sparked that inspiration? Um, maybe, you know what? Uh, the friends that were into it, you know? Like, yeah. uh, I always loved playing guitar when I was young, and I still play throughout even DJing stuff. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, like, my friends were getting into it, and it was fun, and it was creative, and it was also competitive, and we just loved it so much. So, like, I just kind of kept going with that. Yeah. And um, com- when you say competitive, competitive in what sense? Competitive in the sense where this scratching is, it's not, it takes a lot of work to learn these scratches. You know, there's kind of like a, there's a types of things that you, types of scratches that you learn. I know for a lot of people, it sounds like, you know, just a little wiki wiki type of stuff. Right. But it's extremely technical and it's like it builds, you have to build like a, uh, what is it called? Like a, like a natural instinct for throwing these types of scratches. And yeah. uh, it takes a lot of time to, to yeah. I mean, I think that it also, it like I was talking to Jimo about this and I feel like you kind of need an, a, like a, a good ear for that to know when it's appropriate maybe, right? Uh, yeah, and because, you know, it's kind of like dancing. You gotta have rhythm and, uh, going into it, it's got to sound right. You know, there's not, there's not like a technical formula or written music for that, but like, it's just, you know, it's got, it's got to be, it's got to be. Rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's actually uh, get into a little bit about your uh, upbringing. Where did you grow up? Uh, Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Okay. And would you say that you grew up in a conventional family? Um, Leaving like mom and dad? Yeah. No, nah, no. Just mom. Just mom. Okay. Um, and um, how many siblings do you have? Uh, one currently. I have two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, did you grow up with music in the house? Or always. was always? Yeah. What what Wait, kind of music? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, even when my father was around, there's always music in the house. He loved Sade, he loved Bob Marley, he loved uh, Martin Gaye, and like all that stuff. So I got all of that. My mother was more into rock and roll, and uh, her favorite band was Led Zeppelin. And so I, I just got full of these worlds. Yeah, and you said your you said your mom was into the rock and roll, and who was into Sade and um, like Bob Marley? Your dad? Yeah. Okay, so you did get like a good, um, I guess, a very eclectic uh, range of music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and uh, do you, you said that you play a guitar. Do you played guitar? Do you play any other instruments besides the, besides the guitar? No. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, so where was your first gig um, and how did you like, I guess, get that gig? Uh, well, we were a group, and we used to kind of just, we were all very by word of mouth. There wasn't, like, social media or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, I don't know, maybe somebody just saw us mess around with churches and asked us to do a party, you know, so we scratched together some music and did it, and then after that, we just started collecting records. But uh, my first one, I can't really remember. There was, like, 
there's a bunch of backyard boogie stuff we did, and they're pretty wild. Yeah. DJ here said that uh, it was, it was, you'll see some some shit going down. I don't know. If you can, but, oh, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's very, very true. Um, so you started, you started doing, like, backyard boogies, and then as far as, like, I guess – um, your first time performing like at an actual venue. Um, do you remember what that was like? Was it any different than doing the backyard boogies? Yeah, it was a lot more nerve wracking doing these venues. Yeah. yeah, would you say that it was like more demanding? Like you didn't have the freedom, um, or like was it better? Can you kind of go into that? Yeah. Well, it is. Uh, I don't know. Like you have to meet different people and meet other DJs and, uh, you know, like people hearing you that would never, would have never heard you before. And, you know, you get a little appreciation for it. That felt good. And, uh, but yeah, you have to, you know, you guys pick the format, even if it's not what you, you know, what, what is yours. It's, it's a bit uh, stifling, you know, sometimes, but yeah. if you can get through it, then more power to you. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that that's one of the challenges that you faced in this profession? Just kind of being, um, I guess, almost told how to how to do your job. Uh, yeah, I think one of the main challenge I run into in this profession would be uh, promoting. I am not a promoter. And I don't really like to or try to even promote myself. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like back in the day, it was a lot different. It's kind of like, okay, these guys uh, to DJ. There wasn't a lot of DJs, you know, so uh, there was a lot more kind of like skill involved. And uh, we're, I guess we were a little more prima donnas back then. So we didn't really have to like promote ourselves or anything like that. People were just happy to get their hands on the DJ. But, you know, they, I don't know, I guess we're kind of like diving dead in these days. And so, like, the club scene kind of started, you know, not being so appealing to me. Yeah. Um, and, like, when you were playing at these venues, what, do you, like, what, do you have a residency somewhere? Mm, no, 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 not. Nobody does right now, so. Um, you, um, you, you play usually like I think I've seen you a couple times at commissary I used to go there all the time I haven't been there in a while but is that one of the like places that you typically DJ yeah uh, I, get, I get down there with uh, actually with the old group at, with uh, who I'm sorry with the old group uh, we're called FYBs Oh, okay, okay, cool. And I still actually DJ with them over at Commissary. Okay, nice. Um, what type of music do you prefer playing for people? Hip-hop. Hip-hop. And does the music that you play differ from the music that you, you know, play in your car, like, on every day? Or is it pretty much similar? No, I, I'm very eclectic when it comes to music. Yeah. So I'll be... You know, maybe listen to something completely different in my cover. Yeah. Or, or try to play something completely different in the summer, you know, so. Right. So um, let's use this, I guess, as an opportunity for you to kind of toot your own horn. What would you say is um, the one thing that you excel at um, in the world of DJing? Uh, you know what? I don't know if it's. 
uh, maybe tip my arm because it's not exactly a skill, but you know, to to actually stick it out there and like make friends and show people and not be so selfish with what you have, maybe the music you have, or not be selfish with uh, the knowledge that you have. You know, spread it to other people. Like, uh, if somebody wants to learn, be there to teach them. If they need music, share it with them. You know, like yes. It. I love that so much. And like I said, I feel like that is kind of the constant thing. And the reason why I like reached out to you because, you know, people kept saying that, that, you know, when um, Toro, you know, like basically was like, you know, when I needed the help, like JP was the one who was there to kind of guide me and teach me how to use my equipment, you know? And I think that that's actually very awesome because, um, you know, I, I feel like that in itself is very rewarding for someone to, you know, mention you that way and think of you that way. Like, that's a very rewarding feeling of being well liked. And I think sometimes it actually works in your advantage because, um, you know, the nicer you are, I feel like I feel people appreciate that. And I think that the world kind of, you know, um, congratulates you in some way and good things happen when you, you're not stingy with your music, like you said, or with your knowledge, like you said. Yeah. Hey, you know, Toro's a man and, you know, like with me, I'd be there to help him out. And yeah, you're right. He did come back from a tenfold. He, like, if he had a date or something that he, he thought I'd be better for, he'd shoot it over to me. You know? Yeah. And that was, I really appreciated that too. And yeah. we just had fun playing music together. Yeah, exactly. And it's, again, I feel like that's the kind of um, scene that, or just camaraderie that I keep seeing um, between you guys, that you guys kind of, you know, help each other, um, like, whether it's getting gigs or just sharing your knowledge and sharing your music. Um, same thing with Dan. He also said the same thing, you know, that, um, like, not being stingy with their music because in the end you are going to play it different than what that person is going how that person's going to play it so even if it's you know your music you're still going to do something different than the other person you know yeah yeah um so when you learned um i guess you you learned with vinyl uh do you prefer vinyl over Serato? Like, I kind of don't really understand, like, the Serato, um, I guess, like, I, I don't really know what Serato means, to be honest. <laughs> what is Serato? Okay, so, like, uh, what it did was turn the, pretty much turn the game into, like, a, like a more of a computer program game, you know? Like, uh -huh. for, um, actually, it, it's, it's such a brilliant program, and just, extremely better way of DJing and uh, well it was a lot easier and the learning curve was a lot shorter now you know mm -hmm. like it take months to hone your skill you know you could probably get it down in weeks you know or maybe even days learning how to blend uh, it became a lot more visual more than audio like as in a sense where you're watching a screen and like seeing sound waves rather than tapping your feet or bobbing your head to catch a rhythm or a beat. Um, and actually when, you know, making, when you made mistakes, it was easier to correct them 
and stuff like it was just it's like a huge coach sitting over your back you know helping you out while you were DJing yeah yeah oh that's so interesting I'm go- thank you for breaking it down for me because I mean I always hear Serato but like I don't know what it means mm-hmm. um so thank you for doing that um would you do you prefer vinyl over Serato or I mean I know you said that it makes it easier but like what is your preference well what was so brilliant about Serato was that uh the way that you manipulate the music through your computer is actually through control records that are vinyl. So uh, rather than like, uh, I know you probably see a lot of controls and things like that also, but they're all designed to mock maybe the old turntable, two turntables and a mixer thing. So like, uh, you know, you got this thing spinning around, right? And now yeah. when you have a controller, it's now spinning around on your screen rather than this analog thing spinning around in front of you, you know? So, yeah. but if you, when you're saying, when you're asking me to compare uh, whether, which maybe which one I like more, it's definitely Serato. Um, records are records. We used to buy so many records. It cost us so much money. Yeah. You'd have to buy, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, let me finish this up. You know, like you have to buy doubles. You want the instrumental you want the, with the song maybe if you want the audio and stuff like that so we'd show up to these parties and these gigs with just the you know, milk crates full of records maybe like four or five six of them they're just full right. heavy but now instead of packing that all into a truck it's all tucked under your arm in a laptop yeah 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 for sure i mean it's definitely more practical and like you said it still doesn't really take away from it because you still have those vinyls yes that kind of being a vinyl right right um how would you say that your sound um has evolved from when you first started djing well i don't really feel like i have a sound um you know i'm not i'm not a producer right i spin records and i don't really have a type of like particular sound right maybe my blending yeah, like you were, you're just able to do so much more when blending with Serato and stuff. So yes, it definitely evolved. Okay. Um, and so we talked about, you know, a few of the challenges that kind of come with this profession. Um, what would you say would be some of the rewards that you, you know, got out of this? The appreciation from strangers. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a little shocking, you know what I mean? It's like uh, you know, when people somebody really digs what you did and you know, they're really, you know, genuinely congratulating you and telling you uh, how great of a time that they had and maybe why don't you get your information so you could maybe uh maybe they can go to another event that you have or yeah. even DJ at their wedding or you know, or do some parties for them. That's that's the most rewarding thing. Yeah, that's so that's so good to hear because I constantly go up to random DJs and tell them like what a fun time I had. Yeah. So it's nice to hear that, you know, that those comments are appreciated and you're not kind of just like, I don't know, like being obnoxious, I guess. No, um, but- you know, I, mean, I, I hope I haven't big time somebody and maybe blown it off or something, but I, I just really appreciate it. You know, I'm not really used to having so many people compliment me about, you know, I don't know, like it's 
I'm not a star or anything, you know what I mean? So, so it's a little weird. So I hope I didn't blow it. I've never blown anybody off, but I truly appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, but you're still an artist and, you know, that's the one thing that I think you have to remind yourself. And I think it's, you know, good to be humble, but you are, it is an art in it. In like, you know, we have kind of, you know, gotten into um, how difficult it is. It's not something that, you know, anyone can learn. So I think, you know, you should definitely like take credit for your craft because it's, it is an art still. Um, and that's part of the reason why I feel like, I am so drawn to DJs. I feel like, to me, to be honest, the one thing that I like absolutely love is the blending because to me, that takes, I don't know, it. I just feel like I couldn't do that because you have to kind of blend these two songs and make the last sound kind of go with the next song, you know, and that's to me is just so incredible like how you can listen to that and hear it and kind of blend these two songs together that's literally my favorite thing about djs is the blending um so you know definitely um you know you can do it you can learn something hard you know i told you like this if you really appreciate it if you really want to try it's not that hard you know what i feel like i feel like you can jump rope to you know yeah, <laughs> looking to like maybe like two little schoolgirls, maybe doing the sing along and stuff. Then you can feel what a beat is. You can stay on rhythm. You can feel like something's going off, and you can learn how to do it. It's not, you know, I uh, I, I can't imagine you being so toned, a person being so toned deaf, or not even visually being able to not see how this is working out. Like, just take a little time. Spend a little time on it and you can learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'm sure that if I like definitely put my mind to it like you guys did when you guys were growing up, I'm sure that that's something that, you know, I could um, learn. And that's the one thing that I just, I feel like that's kind of what drew me to DJs to begin with is just like the blending. And I like love that because, you know, me as the person who is going to your guys' shows, like when you do that and I'm on the dance floor, it's just kind of like, like the next song is just, I don't know. Like, I love that. So hard to describe, but it's just every time I'm like, how do they do this? This is so amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Learn how to read a crowd. That's, that's, that's the hard part. You gotta learn how to read a crowd. You know, like yeah. you can't show up expecting something you know what i mean you gotta kind of feel what's going on what these people really like yeah and that's what you yeah and to add to that actually um i guess we can talk about like when you do have a gig is that something that you prepare for or do you kind of like you said you just kind of show up and read the crowd and see like feel it out and see what you want to play that day uh i think when i first started like back in like the early 2000s, yeah, like that's probably what I think I did probably like two gigs, like trying to prepare song for song. And then I just realized it's not this way. You know, you just kind of get, it's like getting, you get thrown into something. People have requests. You have to respect them. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're not some god. Like you're not up there with your band and like, <laughs> you know, playing something. You're like, in a sense, you know, like you're if you're being paid, then you gotta play what people want to hear. You know, you're 
kind of few bucks, you know what I mean? But you're not, you yeah. can't sit around and diss people that are coming up to you know, hear something unless they request something that's completely ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't really go with like the place that you're playing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, so your thoughts on request, um, you're not like an anti, you know how usually when you go to um, like, there's a DJ booth. I don't know how many times I've seen like no request off there. Oh, yeah. um, you know what? That, that's not, that is something I feel like inside. And it's only because somebody's sitting there and you're busy and like they're trying to get your attention. And then when you yeah. have a lot of guys with them, they just got to be drunk in haze and they don't even know what the hell they want to even say to you. And now like they're screwing up your whole game. And yeah, like, dude, somebody get this guy away from me. You can't even maybe even understand it, or you can't understand this drug girl, and you're just kind of like, all right, you don't want to deal with that while you're trying to focus and concentrate and perform. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, like you said, it is kind of losing your focus. Um, and you know, someone kind of shouting out something, I'm sure, can kind of mess with that. Duh. No, it's not. Yeah, it's they don't even want to shout it out. They want to tap you. They want your full attention. They want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe some dumb song that they want to hear like it's like oh, i'm sorry man not everybody in this place is going to want to hear that but sometimes you you you'd be surprised so you got you gotta listen you know like if yeah. there's if there's like a, like some drunk girls coming up to you and she wants to hear this like ridiculous ass song and you're like oh man that's that sounds ridiculous but if she walks over to like a party full of other girls and it's like maybe like some bridal thing yeah doing like that's she took the hit coming up to me, asking me, and she, like pretty much all those girls probably told her to go do it. So right. we'll play that dumb song, and then they rush the dance floor, and then that's all it takes. You know, now everybody wants to dance. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like your outlook on that um, because you know, like you said, sometimes there's like a special occasion, and it does bring everyone to the to the dance floor. And I mean, I feel like ultimately as a DJ, that's kind of what you want, um, you know, to kind of show the people there a good time. Uh-huh. Obviously with like, you know, like you said, like don't come up to me with like a ridiculous song, but if you yeah. feel like it's gonna go, then, you know, no biggie. It's usually like a minute long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You cut off, but maybe that might've got a cracking, but there's just some things that you just you won't do. I had, this, I had this girl in Newport ask me to play the Hokey Pokey, dude. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, lady. Please get this thing away from me. Like, this is in fifth grade, second grade. (laughs) And what, I got to do the fucking Macarena after that or some shit? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just like, uh, it's like feeding a straight cat. You do that shit, she's going to be back every single fucking, every other song. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Um. I can't remember who it was. I think it was, oh, it was Joey, Cancun Joey, said that um, when he worked at commissary. So I used to go com- to commissary when it was um, at the lab. Do you remember that? Where it was at the lab? So um, he said that, I guess, that people would get, Mike Michael would kick people out if they made a request <laughs> that, that was like just ludicrous they would be like no you gotta get out of here yeah 
they're, 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 they should get some randoms up in there, you know what I mean? Just like, yeah. So, weird ass crowd in there, and they want to hear some stuff, and you're like, whoa. I don't know. Sometimes oh, I think it was a little too much. I don't think you got to freak out on somebody too hard, you know? Yeah. Like to chill. <laughs> but yeah. It's <laughs> watching those people get stunned. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was hysterical. I was like, thank God I never requested a song there. <laughs> that would have been such a sight to get yeah, kicked out. Yeah. So um, you know, once you started to, I guess, kind of see um like when you started DJing, um, who was who was DJing at the time? Like, who were the DJs in Costa Mesa, I guess? Oh, okay. That's, that's when I started. I was, like, kind of, I was of age and being able to do, like, bars and stuff. Uh-huh. It's funny you mentioned Cancun Joy. That guy, that guy so tight. He, oh, my God. And I think we were probably on, like, the same level when I met him. But he's just out of space. You know, he's just out of sight right now. Like, I, I think he's level. And scratching, you know. Uh, yeah. I didn't know you. I didn't know you interviewed him. I'd like to listen to that. That guy. He's a real fun guy, and he's just so great. Like, uh, yeah. It was like in a blink of an eye, he just became so good, and I was just like, oh man, uh, it kind of felt like I almost fell off at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that you looked to um, him for, like, I guess. Um, inspiration on how you played, or did you guys did you ever kind of you know ask for um, I guess help or guidance from any of the other guys that were DJing at that time? Well, like when I, as I mentioned earlier, it's a competitive thing. Uh -huh. So um, I think the help and guidance is in the competition. You know, like uh, hey, you let me scratch it. I'm like no, nah, I learned it. But you know, maybe I'll bitch I'll learn it for you. You know what I mean? And then. Just uh, like, well, then you know, like you're practicing, you're trying, and then the next time you see them, they'll hit you with it, and you know maybe they got it, or you you'll hit them with it, maybe you got it, no, or you know they'll hit you with it, and bam, you'll blow them out of water. You're a little bit faster, a little bit better, a little bit more on point, but you can yeah, more consistency, and you know, but you know uh, a couple weeks later, if you weren't practicing and honing your skills, they'll just yeah. clean you, clean you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that because I mean, it almost motivates kind of learn, you know, and kind of continue to pursue that passion that you have, um, kind of keep that fire going. Even though it's like a com in, in a competitive way. But I mean, you still are growing as a DJ. Yeah, well, it's something that you love to do. And it's something that when you see other people, you know they let me do it also. Yeah. yeah. I guess it's almost like yeah. I've seen somebody, uh, maybe you play basketball, maybe else play basketball. It's, it's like the same thing. I'll ball you up type of thing, like that type of competition. Yeah. Right. Like, you, you don't know my skills, you know, that kind of shit talking, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's always good. We never, like, uh, throats or anything, and you love it, you know? Uh, yeah. Up close. Right, uh, yeah. Joey is definitely uh, inspiration. Uh, I don't know if you've been able to talk to Conrad yet. But I haven't. That, no, but you he's can. definitely on my list as well. That guy, yeah, that's that's another. That's another. Another guy. wizard. He, yeah. yeah he just 
absolutely great at it. Yeah. Um, do you have any other passions or hobbies besides uh, music? Well, uh, I've, I've always put music on the on the back burner because you know school and stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, uh, I was studying uh, engineering and got my degree in engineering. So you know, like a lot of things, nice. yeah, a lot of things have been on the back burner since like working yeah. on school. So yeah, but uh, other hobbies, uh, I like working with my hands. I like home improvement. You know, uh, I love motorcycles is a huge hobby, and with that came the uh, passion for engineering. So, nice, nice. What are you planning to do with your engineering degree? Uh, working in automotive. Working in automotive, you said? Yeah. Uh, oh, cool. Motorcycles, but we'll see what's going on with this crazy year. I know, I know. And what, for sure, this what companies this year. <laughs> this year has been nuts. Um, you know, and I guess we can get into that. Um, what What are some things that have are you have you been working or what are some things that have kept you kind of you know occupied and um busy during this quarantine uh working on my house actually oh my god i really like working with my hands and settle when i go uh, i like building things uh um let me see i've gone i've done i learned how to do tiling i've built some partitions in my home i installed a shower <laughs> nice. like, uh, like i'm like uh i've always had that kind of thing you know yeah you know raised without a dad and stuff like that you gotta learn how to fix things for mom you know what i mean you know yeah but, yeah you know, her, you know whether it comes to tightening up a doorknob to unclogging a sink you know what i mean so i've always been handy with that and uh this i this is how i've been keeping busy over this over this quarantine actually yeah, for sure. I mean, then there's always something you can do around the house. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it may be broken, maybe something you want to improve. And also, uh, I'm working on building and customizing motorcycles. Customizing motorcycles, you said? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, what what kind are they? Like the old vintage kind, or like Harley's, or? Uh, the old vintage kind, actually. I don't know. Nice. Those are literally my favorite. But, yeah. Um, I got into cafe racers quite a few years ago, and I built one. Uh, actually, I'm into a little more something a little different called Supermoto now. It's basically like a you, you take a dirt bike, like an like a MX or like a regular dirt bike, uh-huh. and then you put street tires on it, and you kind of like prepare it for the road. And and I think once you hit the streets on that thing, it's it's like a you're like a little kid, like riding a bike. You can just go anywhere. You can do anything. You know what? I saw someone on the freeway. Well, it's not the freeway, but it's the jamboree that like um, takes you to the freeway to the five. But I saw someone on those. I was like, is that guy riding a bike, but like motorized? So yeah, uh, like, uh, like what I'm talking about is like uh, something you take to the desert. You know what I mean? Those type of dirt bikes. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. You turn those into like. <laughs> You turn them into like, like city bikes almost, I guess, but like with a motor. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Like street type of multi terrain thing. And, you know, if you want to kind of just pop off, you ever yeah. been 
you ever been in like maybe you know those trains that you use to get on the freeway where it's got like just a huge circular area uh-huh yeah pop off into there and you know, start playing around like like you're a kid and then maybe if the cop comes you just hop right back up on the freeway and just get up out of there and oh my oh my motorcycles kind of scare me but so be safe please <laughs> um so I guess, you know, can you share with us any artists that you are currently listening to or kind of turn to when you are feeling um, discouraged or, you know, just down? The whole mob of outcasts. Outcast? Uh, yeah, they have always been huge. Yeah, ever since I was in high school. I love their music. It's so tight. It's yeah. I mean, Andre and Big Boy are uh, so open-minded, and, and so they touch you in, like, so, such a different way. It's not about, like, they make you feel like y'all have the same problems, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you get to see him? I think it was, like, five or six, no, maybe, God. The Coachella? Oh, gosh, I think it was eight years ago or something. Yeah, Coachella? <laughs> yeah, that time, time flies. Uh, no, I didn't catch that. I've never oh. seen I remember I was actually living in Denver at the time and we flew down to, you know, go to Coachella and I never buy a ticket. Like, you know, when they go on sale, I always buy them like a week before. And I was like, yeah, we're going to get tickets. Don't worry. Don't worry. And it was so sad because we flew to Denver and didn't get in. Yeah, we were so sad. I mean, we went to all the pool parties, but it was like that particular year was a seller's market. So, like, we could have gotten. It was, huh? Was that that Hallgram Tupac year? Um, No, because I went to the Tupac one. Um, The Outcast (laughs) one was 2013, I believe. Um, And it it was just like a really good lineup, but that year it was just so hard to find tickets. Like, I mean, we were trying to like maybe even pay 400, but no, it was like the, in the like 800s, 900s. And we're just kind of like, nah, you know? Um, But, you know, I mean, that's what I get for kind of just being so sure that I would get in and we flew down for no reason. I mean, like I said, we still went to the parties, so it was fun. But, um, so. I've never, I've never gone to them like, Standing out on a field for days, sweating, like that doesn't sound like appeasing me. When artists are in town, that's when I'll catch them. That's what I like. Yeah, yeah. Would you say that that's one of the bands that, like, I guess you would never get sick of? Like, you can play them every day and not be sick of them? Yeah, I can see. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like, I, I have a so that has a CD changer up in there, and those, those, <laughs> those albums can stay in there, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. So totally. dead, you know, everything's done or whatever. You still got those bangers up in there. I got yeah. there. I got in there. I got some, I got some in there. I got what I got, some Lamb of God. I love that. <laughs> what else I got? Uh, Damian Marley's Welcome to Jam Rock album. Oh, okay. Those are all some heavy hitters. That I love yeah, that'll never leave. Yeah. Um, do you have any like current, um, I guess, new artists? that you um you know recently heard about that you'd like to share with us and maybe we could check out no nah, i'm sorry i i haven't really uh been digging around God, yeah no 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 problem yeah. i just always want to learn you know new music and 
um, you know, and sometimes I get some recommendations and sometimes I don't. So no biggie. Um, you know, we've all been kind of busy trying yeah. to do our thing. Um, are you currently working on any other projects that are related to music? I know that you said that you haven't really been focusing on that too much. Um, are you are you doing anything with music right now that we can look forward to? I, I don't know if anybody being like here. I don't really pro imagine myself performing with it, but like during this quarantine, I did pick up my guitar again, and I was really interested in Jimmy's music and the way he played some blues songs, and I wanted to learn how to do that. So you yeah. know, pedals, and I've been trying to work on those kind of things. But uh, teaching, uh, not really. If the friends want to come over and scratch, yeah, that's a different story. But like, yeah, I think I'm more interested in my guitarist during these uh, downtimes. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, I hope you, um, you know, pick up some pick up some new tricks with the guitar. Um, have you ever been in a band before? No, I haven't. Uh, okay. Oddly enough, yeah, that's. I don't know why. Just a little solo thing. I. I I think maybe why the reason why I fall out of it so much is because I didn't really have a lot of friends that were into it. And maybe that's yeah. why I started DJing for so long. I did that for such a long span because I did have a lot of friends involved in it. It's kind of hard to stay interested when you know, nobody's really doing that kind of stuff, you know? I don't really have any help. Yeah. Like, uh, I fall out of it and go do this kind of stuff with those with DJing friends. But I don't know. I'd like to meet some, meet some people that are interested in doing a band and hopefully feel the same way about music. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, JP, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I had such a great time learning more about you and your art. Um, like I said, um, people kept mentioning your name and I am so grateful that you decided to say yes so that, you know, other people could learn more about you and, um, and your craft. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And thanks to everybody yeah. mentioned me. I, I really appreciate it. And I've loved DJing with them, working with them. Like, wow, I was just hanging out with Rockberry this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he came over to my house. We were partying. Yeah, uh, yeah. I made some lifelong cool. doing this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I feel like you guys all kind of grew up together, um, playing together, yeah. and um, all have such a, a strong admiration towards each other. So I love seeing that so much. I really advise Conrad, if you can get all the him, he's, he's super awesome. Yeah. It's going to be more, Thank of, you. It's gonna be more of the, you know, like more technical turntable thing. So if you have <laughs> you might want to direct your questions that way. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's a super whiz at it. Yeah. Yeah, you're the second person that says that to me. So I am for sure going to try to get him on here. Um, so yeah, hopefully he agrees as well. Okay. All right, cool. Well, thank you. Um, have a great night. And I will see you soon, I hope. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.